Hey, hey, y'all. It's me, Robin. And just real quick before we get to today's episode, if you are loving listening to the podcast, or maybe you don't know because you've just pressed play for the first time ever, but if you like to listen to things in your earbuds, you are going to be so happy to know that Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors is now released as an audiobook. You can get it in Audible or wherever else you get your audiobooks. And of course, you can still get it in print and ebook. If you go to robingobel.com slash book, it's going to give you all the options, including that you could order a signed copy from my local bookstore. Alrighty, y'all. Here's that podcast episode you're waiting for. When we understand that our brains and our bodies are, are responding in exactly the way they're supposed to, we begin to lift the shame from our behaviors. Jessica Sinarsi is passionate about shifting the paradigm, understanding the brain, and removing shame for both kids and their parents. And I just can't wait for you to meet her. I'm Robin Goebel, and this is the Parenting After Trauma podcast, where I take the science of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human and translate it for parents of kids who have experienced trauma. I'm a psychotherapist with over 15 years of experience working with kids who have experience with trauma and their families. I'm a self-diagnosed brain geek and relationship freak. I study the brain kind of obsessively and teach the science of interpersonal neurobiology in a certificate program. This is episode 21. And today I am so fortunate to introduce you to Jessica Sinarski. Jessica is a therapist specializing in supporting the families of kids impacted by trauma. She's the founder of Brave Brains, an organization that provides resources and training for educators, therapists, and other helping and healing professionals. Jessica is the author of two amazing, like honestly amazing kids books, Riley the Brain, and the newly released What's Inside Your Backpack. Jessica's work and how passionately she works to help professionals and educators move beyond trauma-informed is inspiring, hopeful that change really is coming, not only for kids impacted by trauma, but for all kids and all humans everywhere. I started this podcast 21 episodes ago now to get you free, accessible support as fast as possible. So this podcast isn't fancy. I do very little editing. You'll hear cock-a-doodle-doos in the background, I'm sure. If you love this this episode, add Parenting After Trauma to your favorite podcast player and share with your friends and colleagues. Be sure to head over to robingobel.com to discover all the free resources I have for you. You can also read about the club, a very special virtual space for parents to experience connection, co-regulation, and a little trauma-informed education too. We are reopening the doors for new members very soon. All right, let me introduce you to Jessica. Here we go. Jessica, thank you so much for you know offering up your time to chat with me this afternoon and allowing my people, my audience, these families that I um, adore to get to know a little bit about you and your work. It is truly my pleasure. I talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> yeah, and it's always fun to just talk talk with you. Yeah. So this is awesome. Well, I want to get started by just hearing a little bit about like why why this work? Like, what do you love about this work? What do you love about these kids? What do you love about these families? Like, why have you, similar to me, it it seems like just really like dedicated the bulk of your professional work to loving and caring on these families? Um, So that question could go way, way back, I think. (laughs) But I will say, I will say, so partly it feels like a calling. It feels like I found my, I found my home that this is where I sort of meant to be. And, um, and I love it, even though it's really hard. Sometimes I really love it. I started working, you know, my, my 
internship in graduate school, I happened to have a number of kids on my caseload who were in foster care. And I was seeing that their therapist sort of turned over every nine months. And that was tragic to me because there was already so much uncertainty and loss. Yes. And, um, and then my first job out of graduate school was at a, at a foster care agency, a community service agency in the South Bronx. And it was sort of trial by fire and also seeing so many things that weren't working. And so as I started to learn, you know, really seek out what might be helpful and learn more and start to see change as, you know, some of these principles of interpersonal neurobiology were applied, right? The attachment science applied that that was so powerful and moving for me that, you know, I just don't know how I can go back. (laughs) So yeah, I'm home. Yeah. I, I feel some, you know, a lot of similarities, of course, especially with the whole piece of just, it's just so awful. So sad, so tragic, whatever the, you know, the word is that, that how we're prepared, I think, to be in this field has, at least for me, like I wasn't yes. prepared yep. to work with kids with complex trauma, developmental trauma, right. extra trauma, whatever you want to say. And then they're in their families. Like that's, I mean, I, it was, I was drowning. I was absolutely drowning at work and feeling like there's got to be, there's got to be something better. And I think you and I have this like similar personality trait where it's like, well, we're going to find it then. Damn straight. Stop (laughs) until we do. (laughs) That's right. I'm going to learn all the things. Yes. 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 I was like, yeah, learn all the things and then I have to share it, right? Like I don't yes. want to keep all this goodness for myself. I, right. I have to share it and I know I can't just be more and more clients. And so that's sort of how right. I ended up on this path of, I mean, I've always loved educating and training and those yes. kinds of things, but, um, and writing. And so that's how I've ended up like writing books, um, yes. about, like to help with the healing process also because there are all these there's just all this pain in almost, I mean, this oversimplifies it, but in miscommunication that a child's behavior is communicating something and it, and it's very confusing for parents and teachers and counselors. And so that leaves everyone frustrated and stressed and, um, and burning out. And, you know, just like we didn't get the education that we needed probably in grad school, right? Uh, you know, the adoptive and foster and kinship parents that were coming into my office had not, had, didn't have anywhere near what they needed right. to, you know, so I know that there are a number of agencies that are really trying to do better mm-hmm. at that, but that it also just, you know, families are um, at the mercy of, you know, what whatever agency they happen to be with. And it's, right. It's all well-intentioned, but it doesn't necessarily get to, you know, the meat of what's going to be helpful. And that's just, that's a shame. That's tragic. Yes. No. Yeah. Like we have such similar kind of experiences that, and I'm sure most professionals do who, again, spend a lot of time, you know, entrenched in supporting these families have a lot of really similar experiences and a lot of parallel experiences with their families. Just like you just said, like it's exhausting work. It's lonely work. It's really hard work. It's sometimes really dejecting work. Right. And so it's can be really hard to keep going. And I know for me finding, finding my people, right. Like finding people. And at this point, like all over the country, over the world who, you know, like you and I, who are like jazzed and excited about talking about this stuff and how just energizing that can be and how it helps us just keep doing the the good work that we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. That's part of what has been, I mean, we have it some virtually, but that's part Mm -hmm. of what's been hard for me professionally. So I actually launched my organization, Brave Brains, just a few, no, wait, a year before, a few months before, I don't know, not that long mm-hmm. <laughs> before the pandemic hit. Yeah. And, um, and so I had, you know, seven events lined up across the country in the next yeah. month. And then suddenly everything shut down and yes. I realized just like everybody else, so I'm not, not saying that's a unique experience. Um, but one of the, one of the losses in that is that connection 
like we can do this this is hard but we're in it together yeah. and we can do this and um i know that's something that i will look forward to as as we come out of this whenever we come out of this that return to community yeah. in a in a different way i need the hugs i know <laughs> and just bringing i mean one of my favorite things and i feel like i've just maybe even said this recently on a, maybe a podcast is like one of my favorite things is walking into a room of of parents or professionals but especially parents and it's just like there's this unspoken we get it you know, it's like, yep. I watch, you know, and, and in some ways I'm included in that. In some ways I'm just kind of on the periphery, kind of like yep. creating the space or creating, you know, creating, you know, holding the space of watching these parents who work so, 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 so hard come yep. together into us, like without even exchanging any words, right? Like we're, we're all here for the same reason and I yeah. get it. Yeah. And I see you. Yeah. Um, and you're right. There's been some really neat ways, creative ways we've been able yeah. to adjust to the pandemic. And I even just today, like just a couple hours ago, I found myself starting to like really fantasize about like, <laughs> what's going to be the first thing I do? Like, what's going to be that mm-hmm. first thing mm-hmm. where I go back and I'm in person, I get to be with people and really feel that, feel right. that energy. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I look forward to that. All right. So when you do go back, when you get to be with people again, what are you going to do? What are you going to talk about? Like, what's your, what's your heart? What do you love to talk about? So that's a, it's a good question. It's a big question because (laughs) part of the, part of the problem with my, my passion is that I love talking to, like, it'd be easier if I could narrow, if I like just talk to professionals or if I just talk to parents, Yes, but I, um, because I've seen so, so much on the school side of, of teachers and counselors and administrators who want the best for kids, but don't have the tools to to provide that, that one of the things I really love is working with schools. And so I think that will continue. Um, I've also, one of the fun things that's come out of this is doing some virtual events at places that I wouldn't you know, maybe they couldn't afford to fly me there, yes. but we can have a parent night together because their parents yes. are already used to Zooming yep. um, and for support group or whatever. So yep. I, I hope that that can continue. Um, and then this, <laughs> this thing that's been a long time coming has sort of come together this winter, and I am so excited about it. So I have had the tremendous good fortune of working with John Balin, who is the co-author with Dan Hughes of a couple mm-hmm. of books. Yes. And um, his, so we've, <laughs> I sort of glommed onto him and was like, you might not know it, but I'm your apprentice now. Like that's yes. happening. Uh-huh. Even, yes. yeah, that's yes. just, that's happening. And he's like, yes. okay, cool. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, and he just, he knows the brain inside and out and through his connection with Dan Hughes, like he's really gone deep into, um, how, what's happening in the brain in parents and in kids and in therapists as we're, as we're, um, repairing, as we're rewiring from some of the, the ways that early trauma wires the brain for defense. Yes. And so... It's stuff that I talk to families about all the time. It's stuff that I talk to teachers and, and educators about. But I, I, I know there are not enough therapists, outpatient therapists, who get it, right? Mm-hmm. There aren't, and I, you know, I know this has been part of your passion as well, is, yeah. is getting this attachment brain science stuff into the yeah. zeitgeist. <laughs> yes. And so this... This January, I was able to launch a course that called Moving Beyond Trauma-Informed that, um, that is part like book study and part mm-hmm. taking the, the sort of 15, 17 years of doing this work yes. and putting it together in a one hour, twice a, twice a month format for therapists and social workers. And, um, and it's a 12 session course. Um, so I did, I did a version of this with John several years ago. I did a version on my own live. Um, and so taking those experiences and, you know, I think I've, I've read through his book 
the neurobiology of attachment-focused therapy about a mm-hmm. dozen times mm-hmm. at this point. Yes. Um, <laughs> so putting that all together in like in a format that that learners can read the chapter on their own, then we sort of talk together about some of the highlights from it, and then I teach on some of the like I take it a little bit deeper in the practical area, like okay, what does this look like to try on? Yeah. Um, it has been. <laughs> so, so good. So, so good. Um, so it, and the response has been fantastic, even just, even just from registration that, yeah. that it's something that professionals are like, that want, that we want to be better at what we're doing. We feel yes. better when we feel effective. Yes. And I have seen that applying these principles makes us more effective. Doesn't mean we control outcomes. Right. Doesn't mean that every family is never going to have a you know, meltdown again, sure. but oh my gosh, we can hold them differently. Yes. So anyway, I, I could go on about this a long time, but I, that is, that is one thing I'm, I see repeating in my future, this yeah. moving beyond trauma informed course and really equipping um, therapists and social workers to, to, sh- to put on that trauma and attachment brain-based lens in their work. Um, yeah. So that's, that brings me hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so exciting. And I know I I'm sure you get the same experience that I get of inquiries of please help me find a therapist. Who can I look mm-hmm. for in my community? Who can mm-hmm. I, and, um, that ex- the excitement around more are coming, more are yes. coming and that people are really genuinely, just like you said, they're excited about, feeling more effective, you know, at their work. I think my, I've had the experience with, you know, understanding the relational neurobiologies that so many people have is that it it lands it like, yes, there's a clunking that happens where you're like, yes, yes, yes. yes, Tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. And then tell me how, you know, I can use it. How can I make this practical and as it feels like it's spreading more people are learning about it and then having that same experience like oh yes this makes so much sense tell me more and we're just watching you know the it's it's taking off it's finally taking off and so I know I have so much hope for that and I want the people listening to also know because I know part of what draws people to these kinds of resources podcasts blogs online resources that they don't have Mm-hmm. local, you know, local support or a local therapist or local, you know, people who really get it. So I don't know that it's going to happen in our lifetime, but we are, <laughs> we're fighting a good fight and we are, we're making it happen. I'm interrupting the show real quick because if you happen to be a new listener, you might find yourself being a little overwhelmed by all this information. That makes total sense. I mean, there's like 150 episodes plus all the free resources that are available over my website. It's just a lot. So many folks have asked me, where do I start? So I created a separate podcast stream called Start here. What I did is I took the 10 episodes that I want you to listen to first, and then I want you to listen to in this specific order. And I put them into a separate podcast stream so that you don't have to search for them. You can just press play and they'll play one after the other after the other. If you go to robingoblecom slash start here, you'll be able to get an invitation to subscribe. And then you'll be able to listen right in the same podcast app you're using right now. RobinGobel.com slash start here. Because I think just like you, that clunking feeling that the more that we know about our own brains and, and the people's brains around us, like it just changes how you view the world. I was stuck on a flight pre COVID and, (laughs) um, you know, we were on the ground for like three, two hours, I think on like we had boarded the plane, but we're stuck on the ground for, mm-hmm. I think it was at mm-hmm. least two hours. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh man, you want to see a bunch of people go into their downstairs brain, just yes. trap them on a plane for yes. two hours. Right. Yes. But if you can have that language around it and think like, what am I going to do to walk my way back upstairs? 
right. it, it really takes the shame out of it. And that's yeah. one of the things that I've, I have enjoyed tremendously in my work is being able to be a voice of like, of course your brain did that. Of course your body did yes. that. That's yes. normal. That's protective. Yes. That's brave. In fact. Yes. So yes. well done you. Thank yep. you. Brave little me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm going to be really brave by learning to trust you, even though that's super, super, super hard. Cause I learned yeah. to survive on my own. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sense. Well, when I hear you say that language too, I think about you know, instantly. I'm thinking about like the little ki- the kids that are in our offices. I'm thinking about their parents. <laughs> And how that's true about them too, right? Like go downstairs brain and how can we be really brave and professionals, right? Like this is because the brain, my friend Eileen says the brains, the brains, the brains, the brain, right? It's like, yeah, it's true for all of us. And I have a similar thought, like what if, yeah, you know, I love working with families of kids with histories of trauma, but it's, for me, it's just like the launch pad also. Like what if everybody, what if everybody understood all of this about the brain? And when we're stuck on the tarmac for three hours, Mm -hmm. you know, how would that, how would that change things? Yeah. It's pretty cool to think about. Even my children by birth have been tremendously helped. Our relationships have been tremendously helped by understanding what's, what the heck is going on in our brains. Right. And especially when there's any kind of neurodivergence, when there's any, you know, two of my boys have sensory processing issues. One of my boys has dyslexia. They all probably have organic ADHD because every member (laughs) of my partners (laughs) and my family have ADHD, except me. Uh I'm in a sea of ADHD and it's really something. Um, I joke about being everyone's frontal lobe. I cannot be a frontal lobe today. Not today. Um, but understanding the brain is just so powerful that it's not, you know, my child who's struggling to learn to read and that letters are sort of, um, swirling his brain. He's not trying to be, he's not trying to be a jerk, right? It's just that he's an overload and his stress response is defiance. Yep. Okay. Okay. So then we're working on lowering that stress response. We can do that. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we can. <laughs> sometimes I need to lower my stress response first. <laughs> right. Well, yes, of course, because you have a brain too. I do. Right? I know. I it's sometimes too. it does the same thing that everybody else's is is doing, and and we just get to then be you know notice and be compassionate with ourselves. Yeah. And and I agree. I mean, I can't even imagine how I would be parenting if I didn't. Yes you know, wasn't so grounded in this theory. I know it's been tremendously impactful in my marriage, yep. friendships, yep. you know, yep. and getting through a global crisis yeah. where everybody's stress responses mm-hmm. are That's on, right. you know, on high alerts. Right. And We're all like half lipped lids all the exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> and some more than half sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and so really being able to see that through the lens of, the stress response, I think then has yes. allowed me to c- care for myself. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I think reacting to everybody's behaviors would have just been also exceptionally stressful for, for myself. Um, sure. So I I've, I'm sh- would assume you can find some of the similar things of it helps me set better boundaries, like better yeah compassionate yeah. boundaries that when I understand where your behaviors come, I can still make a choice to be like, no, that, that doesn't work for me. Yes. But because I understand where it's coming from, I'm staying mostly regulated and therefore have yeah. enough regulation on board to set a boundary that honors right. me and also respects and honors you. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And find your direction based on your nervous system, not based on your nervous system, like you're led by your nervous system, but in a positive way that, gosh, this is feeding me and this is not. So maybe I'm going to put some more energy into this if it's a healthy thing. Right. Yes. Um, And I'm going to let this go, even though that's something that might be a little bit hard to let go. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm scaling back some of the individual work that I'm doing, even though I love it. Because I, I have to think about how, how to use my time and, yeah. um, you know, be able to 
meet the needs that are out there. Right. Um, and right. we absolutely need lots and lots and lots of people who are doing individual work for sure. Yes. But I want to equip and empower those who are doing it so that um, so that they feel effective and right. that we're not all banging our heads against the wall because nobody likes that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, yeah. thinking about the fact that we are in the middle of this like global pandemic and we've got very stressed families who are already very stressed and now mm-hmm. there's this whole mm-hmm. new layer not only what's happening in their families, but access to services has shifted so tremendously. What's happening at schools has shifted so tremendously. So with all of this increase in stress that comes along with an increase, of course, in stress for the parents and then can really impact, I think, their connection to their relationship with their kids and sometimes even feeling the energy to want to change, yes, right? That absolutely. that takes, you know, the desire to like, yeah, I realize things are really hard and I want to do different. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of energy that it goes is. into that, like, and I want to do different. So yes. talk to me about that. Like, how do you okay. help families who are getting, who are really in this hard, hard place? I think one of the things that I find, again, lifts that shame is that their brains and bodies are responding exactly the way their brains and bodies are designed to do. Designed to, yes. That, um, that it, it's completely normal for, so let me back up a second. So I introduced the, the idea of um, these like porcupine or tiger moments in, uh-huh. in my book, Riley the Brain, right? Yep. So when you are faced with little porcupine moments and big tiger moments and and even those shut down turtle moments all day long every day yes your brain's natural response is to defend right is to protect and so what starts to happen what i what i see over and over and over for parents is that it starts to hurt too much to care so just like the kiddo who it hurt too much to want care right? It yes. hurt too much to need yes. the, the parent that couldn't be there for whatever their trauma history, you know, like it's just layer upon layer upon layer. Right. Um, you know, I say that with no judgment of how anybody got there. Um, but for kids who have had that, that experience of needing and those needs not being met um, in ways they could, they could take in that wired them to survive on their own. And now they're mm-hmm. sending these porcupine, tiger, turtle signals to the parent mm-hmm. that that sort of wires the parent, like, why do I even try? Why, right. why even care? And it's not, I don't know how to parent. That's what our stories, you know, our internal story starts to be. Mm-hmm. But it's not that I don't know how, it's that it hurts too bad. Yeah, It's too yeah. painful. And so just like a child sort of develops this neurological, what John Balin would call blocked trust, right? They're, they're blocking those pathways to oxytocin, that yummy bonding chemical, mm-hmm. um, and instead putting out opioid receptors so that they can numb that pain of needing. So yes. we get this neurological blocked trust and a parent brain faced with these miscues, I hate you, don't leave me, you're the worst, you know, I'm the worst, like just all of this confusing behavior and messages leads the parent brain to say, you know, I don't even want to be near this kid. I don't get this kid. It must mean I'm a terrible parent. Why did I even go down this path? Yes. And it leads to this neurological blocked care where it hurts too bad to care. So I'm not going to make the oxytocin in my brain, mm-hmm. I'm going to make receptors for op- opioids. I'm going to yes. numb that pain. And so my job as the therapist or what I'm trying to help therapists mm-hmm. grab onto is, um, you know, we're susceptible to that for the kids, for sure. But kids are cute and little and we see them for an hour or two a week. Um, for the parent, I feel like therapists are more at risk for blocked yes. care. So as I've talked about this stuff more and more, what I hear from parents who are in on some of the therapy side of things is like no therapist ever approached us that way. 
Um, we yeah. absolutely felt judged. We, you know, um, I, I didn't feel comfortable anymore going to seek help because everybody said it was my fault. And the message I have for every parent on this call, even if hard things have happened in your home, which hard things <laughs> have happened in most homes, right? Absolutely, so yeah. Even regardless that it is not your fault yeah. and you can be part of the solution. You yes. can be part of the healing. Yeah. You can be part of, of restoring hope and change in your, in your home, in your child. Um, but you need the same things your kid needs. <laughs> you need, you know, playfulness, you need acceptance, you need um, compassion and curiosity about your experience. You need empathy and, um, and you need, you need space and time and place to, to take care of yourself so that you can be regulated to do all those same things for your kid. Right. And so that's really, that's a, one of my big goals in, um, in the work that I do is to empower and equip therapists and social workers to be that safe space for parents and to, to be a, a, a wise and compassionate come alongside yeah. as opposed to feeling like you're judged and you're right. to blame. And I mess up, right? So I'm still seeing yes. clients and there are times yes. that I have to say, you know what? I blew it. I got in my yep. downstairs brain. I yep. was, I was fearful because I knew I was going on vacation or I knew this other thing was going on. And, and I let that get in the way of being mm -hmm. there for you mm -hmm. in a moment that was really hard. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, there's so many layers to it. There are so many layers to it, but it's in a way, you know, something you actually said at the very beginning that I didn't go into any further on it. It's like, you said something about, I don't want to oversimplify it. And it's like, well, the, the reality is, is it actually, some of this actually is quite simple, but doesn't make it easy. Yes. <laughs> it's exceptionally hard. Yeah. But watching the process happen in the different places, like in, in parents and then, and then being able to say, no, that's happening for us too, as therapists. Yeah. Right. And I really have a very vivid memory of the first time I was in a group of therapists where that was the, I mean, that was the core underlying belief that was even bringing this particular group of therapists together was like, we, are all always doing the absolute very best that we can. And we're going to apply the same principles that we apply to our clients of curiosity of mm -hmm. what's happening, of what's the protective mechanism here of mm -hmm. how do we notice that this person's brain and body and mind and nervous system is doing exactly what it thinks it needs to do in every unfolding moment. How do we apply those concepts to ourselves? Right. And then how do we cultivate spaces for therapists and professionals where we can be really honest yeah. about what's happening for us right? when we're with, you know, especially with, with, with clients that especially hold a, a lot of trauma in their systems, yeah. Yeah. right? Because it makes perfect sense that that then gets, you know, awakened in us. Absolutely. And then this idea of blocked care, which I think is such a compassionate way of looking at an experience that feels miserable, baffling, um, almost in a way kind of dehumanizing. I think yeah. this, this yes. like, I'm like parents love their kids. That's right. That's right. Right. Identities. What's wrong with me? Yeah. 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 And so really bringing this new, you know, and, and, and I know you and I, of course, share the same love for under, like just understanding the neurobiological mechanisms. Yeah. It's like, oh, this yeah. is just a thing our brain is supposed to do. Sure. It's having some yeah. negative consequences <laughs> that right. perhaps right. if yeah. we can, we want to make a few adjustments too. Yeah. But before we go there first, let's pause and go like, this is brilliant. I don't have yeah. a character defect. There's nothing yes. wrong with me. This is exactly what my brain is supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then for therapists to also know that and other helpers to believe that about themselves. I mean, I think that's actually crucial. We, we have to yeah. help therapists and healers and create spaces for people to be honest and vulnerable about their own struggles in the therapist chair that's so right. that then they can, you know, p- apply those, that same compassion to their clients. Because I think again, in those parallel processes, I'm more, I'm less likely to be defensive to, to sort of dip into my defense brain when something blows up in my office. If I have a space where I'm, where I'm on solid footing and grounded and can say all the things. And, and so, so often um, that's what parents need, need us for. In addition to helping shift, you know, sure, we're going to shift some practices and, and, and change the lens and we're going to, we're going to do some things. So yeah, I'm going to be an active participant, but, but it has to come from a place of, of not taking it personally, not taking the outcome personally, just like I'm trying, I will, once I have permission to coach, try to help parents hold, right? Like we're not going to take this outcome personally. We're not going to take this, this, you know, snarky comment or this rejecting, behavior that might be self-protective personally, just like I'm not going to, I'm, you know, I need, I need my safe big critters, just like parents need safe big critters and kids need safe big critters. It doesn't stop magically when you're a grown up. It sure doesn't. And I wonder if you have this same um, noticing of this at this new layer that comes online with parents who are like really diving into trauma-informed care and really looking to understand the neurobiology. And it's like, there's almost this new opportunity for shame of, Mm. I should know better. Mm. I know that my kid is got these protective behaviors. I know where this behavior is coming from and I still can't keep my cool. Yeah. And talk to me a little about that. Like, tell me what you noticed. So I do. I think that's a really good point. And, um, and it absolutely happens. And actually what it brought to mind is that, um, that that will happen in that absolutely happens in me both personally. Like I know all this stuff and yet I blew up at my son or I'm taking his behavior personally or I, right. right? Like it's all the things that you're not supposed to do. And I talk about it all day long and then I come home and lick my lid or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's always a clue to me. Like, okay, we need to fill the tank. We need to nurture that upstairs brain. Yep. Um, But I also think about that with, um, so from the, the parent and that we're still, we're just still human. We're just, yeah. still, there's just no way around um, messing up. I think the hopeful part of that for me is that the, the, the building blocks of attachment are attunement, misattunement, repair, attunement, right. misattunement, repair. So right. you're gonna blow it. Um, and that repair piece is, is huge, um, and hopeful, right? That's part of the picture. How many of us as adults never had a a parent or an adult in our life who apologized to us, right? Right. You know, the rooms that I'm in, that's usually the case. It's not common. Right. And so I'm not asking parents to grovel or like make it all about them or anything like that. Yeah. Right. But to say, "Mm, I flip my lid or even catch it. You know, if you do happen to catch it before, like, I don't want to, I don't want a tiger on you. So I'm going to, I'm going to take my, take a breath. My, one of my boys knows, like I close my eyes apparently and (laughs) breathe in and I'm sure I look really stressed on my face. And he's like, mom's trying not to lose it. Mom's trying not to lose it. (laughs) To his brothers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm trying not to lose it. (laughs) Exactly. But how great, right? That, 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 that can, we can, can, we can model for our kids that we're human too. And we messed up. And how much does that dial down the shame for the kiddo who feels like they're always messing up? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that unfortunately we can have all sorts of really brilliant, amazing knowledge in our upstairs brain. And it's just about how well we're able to stay, you know, connected 
to it, which I think also opens up more compassion for our kids. Like, yeah, a yeah. lot of our kids do, you know, very rarely do I run across a child who doesn't know the right thing to do. It happens sometimes, but that's yeah. very rarely the yeah. underlying problem, right? The underlying problem is I'm not regulated enough to stay that connected right. to my upstairs right. brain. And that's the same problem that we grownups have, right? Yeah. That's the same problem I'm having as a parent when I'm yeah. kind of flipping my yeah. lid is for whatever reason in that moment, I just couldn't hold on to my regulation enough. That's right. But that's also that's right. true about us as therapists, that's right? right. That sometimes we just can't because we don't check our humanity at the door. Uh, I mean, part of me is like, darn it. But also, I know we don't. I know. I have that reaction. (laughs) We wouldn't be helping people. And I will say, you know, I have a vivid memory of being, I don't know, probably 24 or 25, young, barely Mm -hmm. married, and Mm -hmm. having a therapist make a repair to me. Mm. Like in the next session, something like, Hey, what this thing that happened last week, I want to just check in with you about that because uh, that did not feel good to me. And let's just, let's talk about it. And I, it must've been such a vi- like vivid, disconfirming experience to me. Like, I think I was like, I think my mind sort of blew up at right. first of all, you noticed Second of all, you've remembered an entire week later, third, you're going to be brave enough to talk about it. Like you care about what my experience was. I matter, right? Yeah. 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 And I am so grateful for that experience, especially so early in my career, because Mm -hmm. I I have very clear memories of also doing that. Like as a Mm -hmm. baby therapist, I got a lot wrong as a, I still Mm -hmm. get a ton wrong as a therapist Mm -hmm. every day, Mm -hmm. but that's, you know, there was something about that therapist doing that in that moment that gave me like this foundation, this, like this bravery to be able to do that with, with families. And then in my own family, like, Hey, I messed up or I noticed something. It feels like something didn't land quite right. Can we, can we talk about that? I'm really curious to know what your experience was. Um, and like the humanity in that, right? Like when we can do that with our clients and show this way of like, we can make it. Yeah. Like we, we can make, we can repair with ourselves. We can repair with the people that we care about and we can, we can make it. Yeah. Right? It's really powerful. This is so fun. <laughs> and of course, you know, I just love like jamming and chatting with people who have the same like spark and intensity that mm-hmm. I do about feeling so <laughs> excited about this work and about the brain and, and also about like the power that understanding this stuff gives us to connect, I think with our own self-compassion, with our own humanity, whether that's us as therapists or the parents that we love and adore and support, you know, for Mm -hmm. them to know, I hold them in this space. And I, you know, I look at them this way and we'll, we'll do that until they're able to do that for themselves. They're able to pause and have that level of like grace and connection, compassion, to themselves and see like, yes, this, yes, my brain is supposed to do this. It's doing exactly mm-hmm. what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And, and reawaken that inner de- <laughs> delightfulness, right? Like you are delightful. Yes. You are delightful. Yes. You feel like a monster right now, but you are delightful. Yes. Um, but we can find that. That's Sim- there. Exactly. Simply because you're you. Yeah. That's, I love that. Yeah. Well, you made some very fast references to some of the amazing things that you have out there in the world. And I almost paused you once. I was like, say that more slowly so people know what you're saying, but tell everybody who's listening, like, where can they find you? What's the awesome stuff you have out there in the world? Cause it is awesome. Thank you, Robin. Um, so I will say parents, I, the first place to go would be Riley, R-I-L-E-Y, Riley, the brave dot org. Mm-hmm. There is a parents corner there just for you that has lots of, lots of resources and things um, to, to sort of apply some of these things. And obviously you can find Riley, the brave there as well, um, which is a picture book, but it's also, it's like, I don't know, a way of life. <laughs> It's like a whole thing. Yes, it is. Um, And 
and then for parents are welcome as well, but really a lot for professionals is at bravebrains.com. There are um, there are resources for schools, for therapists and social workers, and the course that I mentioned that I'm just so super excited about mm-hmm. is moving beyond trauma informed. And I do hope to have an, another cohort that starts or several cohorts. Right now, I'm taking three cohorts through it because it Ooh. we couldn't fit, <laughs> fit them all right. together. Um, so, you know, you can get on the waiting list there if that sounds like something you're interested in. And there's lots of resources there as well that are, that are free and available because I just am passionate about this stuff. I have a new book out that I always forget to mention. (laughs) Yeah. I was, well, first of all, I was like, Jessica, you haven't talked about your book yet. Before you do that, I don't want to forget the, um, Beyond Trauma Informed because it's virtual. Is that open to everyone? Um, so okay. all therapists, social workers, we actually, we have somebody right now from Indonesia awesome. in one of the groups. Okay. And, um, so it is, it, it will continue to be in that virtual format. We, i I feel like I found a way to do it well, um, Perfect. that's really engaging. And, and so will that, I imagine that will continue to be the plan. Okay. Okay. And then your new book. <laughs> <laughs> so in February, it's, I um, released What's Inside Your Backpack. Uh-huh. It is, the publisher is National Center for Youth Issues, and it is a great story for really getting concrete about some resilience strategies, yes. as well as making it safe to talk about some tough topics, like the, yes. the main character has had an unsafe parent. Um, yes. She lives with mom, so for those of you who are parenting a kiddo, who does not live with a biological parent, you know, just field it first and make sure you feel like it, it's not going to be upsetting that they don't then get to live with with mom. But our experience so far has been that that kids are really resonating with it mm-hmm. and it makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, the metaphors, the metaphors fit and, and people yes. are getting a lot out of it. Yes. And it's gorgeous. I mean, it's obviously oh, brilliantly you. written and it's totally gorgeous. And yes, yes. I was so excited. Jennifer, I'm Jennifer, um, Joanne Lou Reithoff is the illustrator and she is a prolific illustrator, um, including the updated Invisible String mm-hmm. book. She, mm-hmm. She's the illustrator for it. So I was just like, oh my gosh, this person's illustrating my book. Yes. And she actually had a pretty profound experience as she was illustrating it. So she's shared a little bit about that oh. with me and that, that wow. yes. um, makes it a little bit more special. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you again for just being so generous with your time and your brilliance. And I'm really glad I've been able to just introduce you to all of the people who are listening to this podcast and hope that they come and check out the awesome, awesome work that you're doing. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. It's been thanks, fun. Thanks, Jessica. As you heard, Jessica is out in the world doing a lot of awesome things, including writing kids books, offering training opportunities for educators and therapists. I'll put the links to where you can find Jessica and all the goodness she's offering out in the world down in the show notes. If your family is in need of even more support or you're finding yourself looking for a community of folks who just get it, I'd love to invite you to join the club, a virtual community of connection, co-regulation, and education for parents just like you. Parents in the club are saying things like, I had no idea how helpful it would be to feel less alone. Here's the thing. My understanding of the science and the neurobiology is that I know that undoing that felt sense of aloneness changes the brain and changing the brain means you feel better. And when we feel better, we find ourselves parenting the way that we want to. Over at robingobel.com, you can get on the wait list for the next time the club opens up. You can also get immediate access to short webinars on narrow topics like lying and opposition, or my deep dive comprehensive online parenting course, Parenting After Trauma, Minding the Heart and Brain. If you are loving this podcast, please, please, please share. The sooner the whole world understands the neurobiology of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human, the sooner our kids will live in a world that sees them for who they really are. 
completely amazing, sometimes struggling, sometimes struggling a lot, but still amazing. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids. But also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash being with, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you could get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you could just head to my website download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now and I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.